Welcome back to Chunky Glasses, the podcast. Uh, I promised you a bonus podcast, so here it is. Though this isn't really a bonus podcast, we're just on a weird release schedule. I've been banking these for a while because they take a while to put together, and it keeps us from going to shows, having fun, generally having a life sometimes. So I decided we're going to stop doing that. So this one's going out on a Sunday. And the next one is actually coming out on Wednesday. That'll be Coward's Choir. Uh, but for this one, um, we're going to be talking about the new album from the band Weezer. Uh, the panel, I think, we put together for this one is uh, Paul, myself, uh, Quinn, and uh, Tori Kerr, who used to basically do Quinn's job at, at uh, George Washington University Radio. Uh, now she is the music editor for DCist, amongst other things. Uh, the girl knows her music. Uh, so we asked her to come by the basement, and she said, sure, and uh, hopefully she'll come back because... I think uh, she really added a good bit to this. Um, and the reason we had all these different people, and it's not olds versus youngs, but it is very much, uh, we all have a very uh, specific relationship to Weezer. There's a lot of people do. Um, and so a lot of the talk about this album is that it is a return to form. Um, you can skip ahead. I mean, don't don't skip the podcast, but uh, you can look at the site and see I passed on it. Uh, I passed on it, and I... And I Felt a little bad about it because I, I want to see these guys do good. But uh, what sort of put that into clarity is that uh, Friday night, uh, we taped this last week, and, and then this past Friday, got to see uh, the band Diarrhea Planet finally live. Um, and if you haven't seen them, uh, please go see them. Get over your like disgust of their name. Uh, they are, uh, without a doubt, one of the few bands that I've seen this year who is who is completely in touch with sort of the fountain of rock and roll but more to the point when i we interviewed them earlier this year and when i talked to them i mentioned weezer and i said holy shit yeah yeah this is what we're doing you know we we you know a lot of some people say that but we'll take that compliment uh but they are doing what weezer was doing back in the early 90s um they are going balls to the wall shredding and they're pairing that with very uh insightful it's not the right word they're giving their music a heart uh and that was evidenced by actually the crowd this friday who did not stop moshing for one minute and the band uh sort of moshed along with them um it's it's beautiful to see so we're not going to make this about diarrhea planet but it is to say uh i personally think weezer has lost it but it's okay because people have picked up the torch uh but you know we're going to talk about that so um, right now we have this is going to be episode eighty four of Chunky Glasses the podcast where we're talking about Weezer. Uh, also, be sure to check uh, on the site if you get this in iTunes. Please go to the site um, and check on that because uh, Thor. I don't know if you guys remember Thor, uh, he was the NPR intern. Uh, lived in the basement for a while actually. Uh, so, um, but Thor is a diehard Weezer fan, so we asked him his opinion too, and. Uh, couldn't quite fit it into this podcast, so sorry about that, Thor, but we're going to have the audio of what he sent me up uh, sort of as a, an add-on in the show notes, so check that out. So uh, here we go. This is uh, Chunky Glasses, the podcast. This is episode number 84, and we are talking about Weezer's Everything Will Be Alright in the End. Okay. It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Nearly a two-word review, just a... Shit sandwich. Oh, the old record I've been doing this morning. 
That right there is a logical fallacy. As usual, as usual. Uh, back in the basement. Uh, this is actually the fifth podcast tape this week, so Shit. I start to wander a lot. Uh, as usual, we have Paul. Hello, Quinn. Welcome back, Tori. Hi, Tor, Welcome to the basement. Thanks very much. Um, you used to be Quinn. Uh, yes, <laughs> sort of. yes. We have in fact switched souls, a la Freaky Friday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but what are you doing now? Uh, well, I'm actually in between jobs, but in a very good way. Um, I start a brand new job tomorrow at SiriusXM, actually. Nice. So all this stuff is right up my alley. Uh, I'm going to be a producer for also two talk channels. Nice. So uh, I guess this today is my warm-up. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, and then more, I guess, relevant, uh, I'm also the music editor of DCist, oh. which is also a recent development. So I am blabbering about music to people who don't care so much all the time. And that's exactly what we do. Excellent. So, so you're in very good comfort. Or, or to empty space, which one of the two? Cats. <laughs> cats. <Yeah. laughs> if the cats will have us, then we'll go. Um, this week, uh, we were going to talk about Foxygen. I think we all gave it the tank because mm-hmm. it's just nothing to talk about there. Uh, except, that, uh, like I said upstairs, I feel like they're sort of punking us. Uh, if you're into Foxygen, like the band, I mean, you're going to listen to it, but really... Mm-hmm. Really, guys? I mean, why did you do that to us? If you're going to do that many drugs, just listen to the bands. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so, but the other album we're going to talk about is Weezer is back with an album called Everything Will Be All Right in the End. Uh, this is their, uh, at least in the press, their comeback album. That's the, a, real, the real third album. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> the, oh, oh, shit. Well, <laughs> Who, where did that come from? Who said that? My friend Robert said that. Oh. Um, yeah, that's not like a, a oh, professional. I thought that was like theory. a critic. Um, I was like, damn, that, that puts a new spin on everything if yeah. some, like, some professional dude is saying that. Before that, um, last week, there was a lot of stuff going on. Uh, the two Prince albums came out, which if you hadn't heard them, they're badass in different ways, but they're badass. But... More importantly, Tom York of Radiohead made a big stink by releasing all these things on the internet. I'm saying there was a picture of what it was a white album. There were some lyrics. There was like, we're in the studio. And the predictions ran rampantly like from new Radiohead album. In the end, what we got was a new Tom York record. Um, and not, not a Adam's for Peace record. Not in a Tom York. Solo. Which I'm fine with because I yeah. didn't like Adam's for Peace. Uh, Nothing remarkable to talk about there. Uh, he, it's what is it? Uh, Tomorrow's new boxes, I think, was the name of it, something like that. Uh, but what is worth talking about, I think, is the delivery system. He teamed up with uh, BitTorrent, the company, which they're two different things. I mean, there's BitTorrent's a protocol that's been around for ten years, and then BitTorrent is a company that had a hand in developing it, but um, and put it behind a pay gate and said you can. Basically, you can't go to iTunes, you can't go to a streaming service, you can't get my album anyway except for doing this. And they, they put out a note with it saying, this is an experiment to see if people grasp the technology and stuff. Mm. 
Now, the question about that is, if you are, uh, I don't want to say, if you've sailed the high seas <laughs> or um, yeah. technologically inclined in the past 10 years, BitTorrent is, in fact, the way most, uh, people, most files most people, are like, delivered, yeah. uh, more files than any other delivery system. Um, and so is this like a nod to like, people are just going to pirate my stuff and this is like trying to legitimize it. Um, or do you think it's, it's just going to be, it's like a trick and he just came around to it because he's famously against, uh, like Spotify sp uh, specifically, but, uh, streaming service in general, he thinks that's bullshit. So, I mean, Quinn, when you, I, I think, well, first of all, it's like the most elitist thing I've ever encountered. <laughs> It's like, but, but I mean, if you're going to listen, if you're listening to Tom York's solo work, you're probably like an elitist. <laughs> well, that's um, <laughs> <laughs> um, like, let's be honest here. Uh, so, which is totally fine. Like all good. Um, I, I think I don't, I think your point about how it's been around for so long and this isn't exactly a revolutionary act. Yeah. It, it isn't to people who listen to music and who may or may not have torrented 26,000 songs in the past four years. Mm -hmm. But, I don't, I don't know. But, um, <laughs> but uh, to people who are like casual music fans and they see this headline, I think it actually like is a bigger deal. It's a bigger deal to uh, like the major record labels that have previously put out Tom York's mm -hmm. stuff who now have no share of this. Like, mm -hmm. he's, get, he's releasing it for free, right? No, it's six dollars. Oh, it's six dollars. Yeah. Okay. So, so the way the way the paygate works is that you um, you torrent it and you torrent the whole file. But it is, uh, and which is I, I use uTorrent. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that disabled the paygate. Mm -hmm. I paid for it, but um, and so you you do that, and then if you decide you want to pay for it, apparently using BitTorrent, the company's software, you can then pay later. You don't have to pay up front. Um, it's it's sort of fascinating. Like a lot of people basically said, "Why the fuck would I install another piece of software on their computer?" And I don't know if rightfully so or not. I mean, it's an amazingly efficient delivery device. Um, but there was a part of that letter that said, uh, "Actually, before getting that, Tori, you looked like you were going to say something, were you?" Yeah, I was. I guess just going off of Quinn's point, it's it kind of feels the same way. Uh, like when Bonnie Vare won Best New Artist, and everybody, you know, that Tumblr yeah. side of like who is Bonnie yeah. or something. That's kind of what it's reminding me of. Like to people who have been using the service, aka you know people that were into Bonnie Vare or like were into quote unquote indie music. It was just like a huge like middle finger. Like okay, that was fucking stupid. But for I would say the major the majority of people, it was the opposite case. Mm. So. If the end result is more people, well, I don't know if the end result is more people accessing this service than there were before, or if people are just going to throw their hands up and be like, I don't understand what this is. I don't know what it is. I don't want it on my computer. Maybe he actually won't have as many people downloading the album. Well, he's crossed a million downloads. Wow, really? Yeah. Wow. That's not a million sales. Right. It's a million accesses of the torrent. Mm -hmm. And to explain, like, the people who don't know or are listening how a torrent works, it's basically a, a small file. It references um, a file on a server somewhere, and basically it gets hashed up. And the more uh, people that download this file are basically tied into a, a central 
thing that um, spreads it all around, so you can download. If like in this case, there's a million people on there. I, I would guess if I got on and downloaded it now, it'd be about five seconds. Mm-hmm. Like it literally everything. They're just all seeding like, to you. Yeah, yeah everything mm-hmm. seeds to you. Um, yeah, and it's a seeding thing. And like in general, it's 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 based on a sharing protocol. So you, uh, you know, if you download something, you have you're expected to share. And sites that actually use this stuff, you have a ratio. Um, None of that was talked about in in his release of this, but uh, the interesting thing I think about their press release was he talked about putting this squarely uh, now distribution in the hands of the performers, Mm. which there is a potential for that. In this case, though, because he partnered with BitTorrent, they take 10% of the sales. So how, like, I, I... struggling to see like the point of like what he's doing mm-hmm. like it is it is like you know if you're a musician and listening this is a viable thing you can put this on your computer and you can like basically start a torrent and it'll hit your computer and people download directly from you uh how you collect the money i guess BitTorrent. that's the that's the thing is that they mm-hmm. built in a pay gate into their version of it but uh you know distribution is in your hands see this doesn't seem i understand the community aspect of it and, but it, this doesn't seem that much different for, for me to me than just throwing his album up on Bandcamp. Yeah, well, that, then that's where I was putting sort of it going up for that. a dollar or whatever, and mm-hmm. everyone has access to it with internet connection. Yeah, and mm-hmm. they can download it. Mm-hmm. And most bands, like if you're on Bandcamp, you have at least a few free releases up there. Like usually, you're a small enough band yeah. where mm-hmm. you like the goal is not to make money. At least mm-hmm. or you want people just to listen to your music. So I think people on Bandcamp are more aware of like their uh, marketability. Mm-hmm. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, like if I go to Bandcamp, I'm very turned off by somebody who says my album costs ten bucks and there's no option. Mm. Like you know, mm-hmm. five six bucks. And I think they did hit the price point right on this, but five six bucks, yeah, that's good. But like ten bucks, no option to do anything else. Like, oh, I'm not. Yeah, you're not getting that sale. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, so it seems like in like there's already a, a mechanism established now for this Bandcamp. I don't know, Paul. What do you think? You're just sitting over there. Oh, I mean, I think that this is just—it's nothing about it surprises me from yeah. Tom York's side right here. Maybe the company itself surprises me, but it's—it's kind of like when we were talking about YouTube a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, in some ways, it's the opposite because you're talking about a very exclusive me- mechanism, other than, and then the other one was you know just having it. Hey, it showed up on your you know vertically integrated <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Apple device, um, but. It's a move that there are maybe half a dozen people in the world that could have pulled, and he might be the only one pretentious enough to have actually pulled it. I like. I think that that was actually a, a good work because he doesn't care if anybody buys this album. He he's got the money. This isn't even his main project. It's him his solo work is like his third project right yeah. now. So he's like, sure, I'll get I'll get some press for this. I'll make a statement. It makes a little bit more of a news cycle than. The Eraser did when it came out. Sure. You know, that was here and gone, and this at least gets a conversation started about technology and ownership, and I wouldn't be surprised if the conversation we're having right now mm-hmm. matters to him more than how many people buy the album or even what people think of the music. Yeah, yeah I'm sure it does, because so, like I said, he's so against streaming, and, and like to be clear, streaming is, it's here, it's staying, it's like... Artists negotiate your deals so you get paid more. Yeah, so that, I, that's what it boils down to. I really so. think, to me, that's what it really boils down to is is that this this isn't about the music and this yeah. isn't even about Tom York. This is about the conversation Tom York wants people to be having, and we're having the conversation right yeah. now, so it's a success. And I, he, it's not even like 
it's the very it's very much so the company and the name he's BitTorrent that he's yeah. put it with because BitTorrent like regardless of like there being this pretty legitimate company called BitTorrent and yeah. BitTorrent culture is a different thing and like BitTorrent clients but BitTorrent's like like kind of a F, an fu to like you know mm. every record label and like it's like it's like the anti is it like putting the, your record out on the Pornhub label oh, <laughs> that is a whole that is a whole other conversation <laughs> we can talk about we can that. have it we got time well we um, had that conversation we did. weeks ago yeah. but like I, I just honestly think I, I part of me wonders if this is definitely a publicity thing yeah. but mm. is it like at first I was curious is is this a prep for did they throw us out there to see what would happen, and then maybe they're going to do it with the Radiohead, ra- Radiohead album? Yeah, mm. maybe they'll be like, because if they're like, oh, it gets it, but except they don't have to. They can self Radiohead can like self fund, self release based on what they did within Rainbows. Yeah, totally. they can do. They can. They, they can do they whatever are, the fuck they want. Yeah, they are outside of the label system, uh, much like U two. I mean, when we talked about U two, it's like there's this rarefied air that people are existing in. They're one of the bands uh, that can do that stuff. Um, yeah, I I mean, I think a million downloads right now that that feels high to me. I I, I don't know what his solo record like, like the the estimate of what that should be and stuff. Um, if it was Radiohead, obviously not. That would be like enormously high. But it seems high for such a uh, exclusionary technology that people really do. I mean, the the one correct part of that press release is like, you know. Billy Joe Jim Bob, not to <laughs> typecast, you know, in in you know the suburbs or wherever, uh, is not going to grab a new new piece of software in quotes just so he can hear Tom York's album. Yeah, well, Billy Joe Jim Bob wasn't listening to Tom York, York's album anyway. True. Like yeah. he knows he might, he might have checked out a few Radiohead tracks, but he's not going to listen to yeah. a Adams for Peace or. Be Tom York's even greater removed solo album. Well, then I mean, then to me, and and this is I think we're getting to the end of this part of the uh, podcast is like to me, then that that sort of makes me laugh because okay, you're talking about the market and like who listens to Radiohead, um, and ninety there's almost no chance a Radiohead fan has not torrented something, whether it be music, whether it be that it, it it's a certain like more technologically inclined, you know. I mean, they certainly have a broad base. That's true. They're, I mean, they have. They're one. In the, they're probably in the, the top five biggest bands. The person right heard now. Creep and then never heard anything else by them. Mm. Not in that base, and they, they may be the true. one. Like, but the person who cares at all that a Tom York album is out, mm-hmm. like any outrage for like the format is just sort of like, yeah, yeah. But I don't think it's outrage. I think it's conversation. Okay. Tom York's solo album doesn't get picked up by major. News outlets, sure. It Something does. Tom York releases a solo album. Tom York, get, Johnny Greenwood, like anybody in that band does, except it, for it gets except picked up. By, like, it gets picked, picked, it gets picked, it gets picked up by the review section okay. and it moves. Like yeah. this is a news story. Okay, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, all right. Um, yeah, so I'm actually going to keep watching the numbers. I mean, this is I, I think I, I, I self fulfilling prophecy. Like this is stuff that is only interesting to me. Is that a million downloads just on the BitTorrent site? Because they're I'm sh- like. I'm sure that's, the, the, only, that's the only way you can get it. Well, no, but oh, you download it, you throw it up. People throw it up on the major torrent sites too. Yes, and I'm um, sure it's on all the major torrent sites. Could could check that. Maybe we'll check that. Yeah, and then put it in the show notes. But yeah, like legit downloads a million. Hmm. I would give it. I want to give it another week and then see what the final numbers are. Yeah, and I think then I could make a call on the relevancy of this decision. 
and what it means and what the effects are. Yeah, I still need to listen to it. That too. <laughs> We're having Me this too. conversation. I, I, I will hook you up with that. All right, yeah. cool. I haven't even listened to it. For the record, it's good. It's not great. It's yeah. exactly what you would expect a Tommy Rockell yeah. to be. Mm. Um, it'll hold you over. Better than King of Limbs. Um, but on that note, you gotta uh, just keep throwing that shot at every time, <laughs> don't you? <laughs> throwing it under the bus. Uh, let's talk about um, some stuff that might be better than King of Limbs as well. Uh, the new Weezer. Uh, here's the uh, first track, Ain't Got No Buddy. Everything will be alright in the end. So that is um, that is ain't got no buddy uh, from Weezer's. I don't fucking know. What is this like eighth, ninth album? At least nine. Uh, is it nine? It's nine. Um, like we were saying, research. Just <laughs> not really necessary <laughs> in this basement. Um, it is uh, real quick before we start talking about this album. the The story of this album is that after. Uh, like no surprise here, uh, and this is my opinion. Like, after many many failures, mm-hmm. after Pinkerton, uh, that this is a this is a return to the true form of Weezer, the true sound, uh, to the point that they even got like Rico Kasich back on board. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is this is the one that is supposed to bring us all back in. Uh, that kicking off uh, certainly does sound a little bit more. The Pinkerton era, mm-hmm. um, but Tori, you were saying like you're a sucker for the spoken word intros. I am audio clips at the beginning of songs. I think I think it's cool because it's like the artist giving you like a fun little gift mm-hmm. kind of to play with before. You know, the song itself is is cool, but when you get like audio clips like that, then you think like, ah, oh, like Rivers is into this TV show or this movie or whatever that right. I've seen, and I think that's kind of cool. But that's just like a personal preference. I always think that's cool. Um, and like of all the ways to start this album, why 
like why that? Yeah. Do you think? Yeah, and we're we're failing to find the clip of what it actually is. Of where it's yeah. maybe from, there's yeah. some relevance, but I, I think that might speak to actually a lot of uh, the, the problems that I'm having with this album. Is like maybe there's some relevance. Probably there's not. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's um, if uh, like sonically that song does sound like Old Weezer. But I don't know that like a lot of like Maladroit was actually had that sound pretty heavily. Uh, when you get into the albums with names like Ratitude and Hurley, I'm not not so sure where that's going. Uh, songs like Beverly Hills certainly lost that sound. Mm-hmm. But what um, what made Weezer tick, at least for me, was it's like I heard so I heard Pinkerton when I was you guys' age. And let's be clear, this podcast is like olds versus like youngs. <laughs> yeah. Um, is there weren't albums coming out that were that like emotionally raw that had like actual shredding on it. Mm. And uh, it was a it was a jolt away from the blue album, which I think if you, if you and we can would talk, you say it was a lightning bolt? Might might of be jolt? Like, like, like his guitar strap, and that, <laughs> see, that's the problem. So everything about like that that was. Like the last honest statement that they've made that feels honest at least, and and framing it like around the blue album, uh, the blue album is good. It's enjoyable. It's pop candy though. Uh, it's almost like it's a, one big novelty song. Uh, this like that song. There's like almost every song on here is like super like self referential. Mm-hmm. But Paul's just like yeah. Why am I here? <laughs> but I guess I don't know. I thought that this podcast had been transported back like eighteen years to when they were actually relevant. Oh, right? yeah. oh. <laughs> well. Now, so so you guys, um, how did you come to Weezer? I'm I'm firmly in the like the first two albums are amazing and everything else sucks camp. Okay, um, and I have been since I listened to Blow in mm-hmm. like middle school. And then only in dreams is one of my favorite songs of all time. Yeah, uh, it's like an ama- like, and I I love I listen to Blow more than I listen to Pinkerton. I love both mm-hmm. a lot, um, and it's almost like it's become like like we, I think Weezer tour did a tour where they just played the Blue Album and Pinkerton. Yeah, and they played like Madison Square Garden right. or something, and they because they, they know like these are the albums people love, and everyone else is like really shaky mm-hmm. on our other shit. Yeah, so like I just I came to this album and I was like I I came to this album without maybe giving it a fair chance. And I was like, yeah. I was like, all right, like this is another Weezer album. They say they've gone back to like their old sound, yeah. but have they really? And I don't even know if they really have, because I would say that the songwriting is nothing compared. It's like not even equivalent at all to Pinkerton. And maybe it's, maybe it's, maybe it's unfair to make those comparisons, but because those albums are so firmly entrenched in my mind, I can't get it. I can't, like, not. Well, it's funny. Thor's actually preparing a statement. I have not heard it. He's going to send one in. Thor's, wait, he's preparing, like, a written statement? No, an audio statement. Oh. We're going to be plugging this I in. thought we were going to read Thor's statement into the record. <laughs> no. That would be awesome. No, um, so he, he's going to be preparing a statement. So he, he is a person who is, um, like, diehard, like, Weezer fan, diehard, like, Pinkerton fan. But... You know, in all the internet, I don't think there's anybody more excited about this album than Thor Slaughter. I still don't know if he likes it though. <laughs> but Tori, you were saying like you actually like really do. So wait, so w- like so, what's your experience with Weezer here? Um, well, I think I I have like somebody's older brother or an older 
neighbor kid or something to thank for Weezer probably in like, you know, 2002 or something. I was like, I guess a preteen, but I, I feel like their songs were so like, I don't even think there was like a moment of discovery. They just kind of Mm -hmm. felt always around Mm -hmm. maybe like radio people just generally knowing them. I, I don't know. I, I wish I had a moment of like, this was the first time I heard Weezer and it changed my life. Right. But it kind of just felt like it was always abound. Um, I think like middle school dances, Beverly Hills. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. But I knew. It blows my mind. Because... Hold on. Hold on. Middle school dances, Beverly Hills. Hey, was Paul, we, we established this. We established yeah. this. I just yeah. want to just drill that in right yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. 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 I just, I, I, I do want to point out though that I can legally walk into a bar in Quinn can. I just want to clarify. Uh, I'm 22 years old. Queen can. He's getting there. Oh. One day. Wait a minute. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, uh, so I think that, and I've given like every Weezer album a chance, and I'm not mm-hmm. really sure why, but I think every album that's come out since Pinkerton, I can find at least one or two songs that sure. I like. Yeah. I mean. So, and that's kind of enough for me. Like, I don't, that's just me I personally. I not either. everybody is like that, <laughs> and that's fine. But like, for me, like. I could, there's always like some, I don't know. It's like defending like your abusive boyfriend to your girlfriend. Be like, no, but you just don't get him. Yeah. Like he loves me. <laughs> uh, maybe that's a terrible metaphor, but. Yeah, Rivers, Rivers Cuomo there. is your abusive that's boyfriend. That's an interesting Basically, metaphor. Basically, that's kind of how it feels. No, like, that no, would guys. be an interesting follow-up to Pinkerton. <laughs> it makes a lot, well, he is a terrible He's misogynist. He's a misogynist. So yeah. that makes Absolutely. a lot of sense. So I think with this album, I agree that I don't think the songwriting is... Um, intriguing necessarily, mm-hmm. but I don't really care all that much. Right. Like, I want a song that I can enjoy on a pretty simplistic level. Um, and again, like, this is just me let personally. Let me get your reaction to the, the most self referential thing. We're going to play Back to the Shack. Mm. Uh, this is actually the single, but we're going to listen uh, to that and then. Uh, <laughs> y'all suck. Forgot that disco sucks. I ended up with nobody and I started feeling dumb. Maybe I should play the lead guitar and Pat should play the drums. Take me back, back to the sack, back to the strap with the lightning strap. Kicking the door, no hardcore. Rocking out like it's 94. Let's turn up the radio. Again, with the Pinkerton, like what made it such a fascinating album and such a great album is that emotional rawness, talking about these things and stuff. Um, even in the Blue album, that rawness yeah, even, not, yeah. maybe it wasn't as present, but right. it the lyric lyr- there were many lyrical references, right? To it. Yeah, but right here he's saying like everything's cool with my dad now, and he's saying everything's cool, and, and like you were saying, Tori, like that's in direct opposition of. Uh, just even the song title, like, Ain't Got Nobody. I mean, um, there's a lot to be said, I think, for writing what you know. I'm not sure what, like, Cuomo knows anymore, except he wants to be in a band. Hmm. I think he was once a fucked up dude who wrote songs about it, 
Yeah. And now is a content, like, yeah. middle-aged uh, and, man and that's who fine. has nothing to look, write, say. Yeah. Look, yeah. Yeah. So, okay, yeah. So that's that's the thing. It's like all artists go through this. Like, I don't I don't believe in the tortured artist, like, makes best art or anything. But um, you have to have something to say. And he hasn't been saying anything for years. And here he gets to this, and it's just like... He's still not saying anything. I mean, there's reference. He's like rhyming like Rosetta Stone. On a, it, it's it, look. It's the difference between someone who can make that transition and some and someone who can't. Like, look at somebody like to go like, on the extreme other end here. Someone like Springsteen. It's like okay, yeah, he's not personally tortured anymore. Yeah. But the guy, the guy knows how to tell a story. He knows he how to bring in, bring in politics. All Rivers Rivers Cuomo got to his success from a very personal kind of. Nerds breaking into the into the rock scene. Well, it was uh, it was the bro- dawn of nerdcore. Yeah, and, really. And he got to his fame from that place. Uh-huh. And I don't think that he has figured out anything else to say since then. Like this album, I think is entirely cynical. Yeah. The the riffs, yeah. recall early Weezer, which everybody keeps talking about. Everybody's like, I love Pinkerton. I love the Blue Album. We've all said that right there. But it's not just the riffs. Quinn Quinn. Well, Quinn brought up that they were selling out tours playing those two albums yeah. right here. And they're trying to make the song sound like that without having anything to say, like what those albums, right. like what those albums said. Right. It's like when somebody like tells. I think this has been the curse, and this is turning into a conversation about like their career as a whole, which I wanted to because we haven't talked about Weezer it's much. More, like, yeah, it's more interesting than talking about this album. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, but like I feel like that they don't understand why people like enjoyed those albums. And understandably, like, Pinkerton was shit upon when they came out, like, to legendary effect. I mean, it, it was, people were like, this is just the worst album. And this is not pre-internet, but, like, certainly pre-Pitchfork. Um, and, you know, it's the worst album. It's terrible. How can they do this? Why isn't it the Blue Album? All these things that we hate about music criticism today. Because I think you do have to, like, not everybody's going to, like, shit out a masterpiece. That's just not going to happen. But... Their reaction to it, I think what you're saying with being cynical is it's just that. It's like, oh, the people just want to get hear this and they aren't they don't understand what this is. Like they can shred all they want. That's not why I love Pinkerton. Well, but to be clear, the Green Album was really successful, and that didn't have much to say well, either. We're gonna get into so, this conversation again. They they they've managed they, to they get no feedback. And saying that it's bad, they've they've managed to make themselves a continuous presence twenty years after their first album came out by recycling the mm-hmm. same pop formulas. They might not be a huge band anymore, and they're definitely not a critical darling anymore. But we're still talking about them twenty years later, and sure. they're still selling out shows. And Rivers Cuomo still gets to be the head of a band. I want to possibly make a connection also to I've had a similar debate with people about Green Day. Um, about how their sound had evolved, and people will also say, you know, like, um, oh, oh, cats. Sorry, I am, yes! I am so amused by these cats. They're amazing. Um, oh, got a great face for radio, these cats. Yeah. So, um, well, people will say, you know, like the first couple of Green Day albums were great, and then they went downhill, and their sound totally changed, which is true. They learned more things than power chords, and they made, like, a political rock opera. Mm-hmm. Like, that's crazy. You know, when if you were listening to them in 94, you'd be like, there's no way Green Day would ever do that. But they did. And it's because they grew up. It's because 
they weren't 25 year old stoners anymore. Like they all got married and have families and responsibilities. And I think that Rivers Cuomo is also following in that parallel. Um, And he's older, I think a little Mm -hmm. bit than Billy Joe, but I think that the patterns are similar. And I just think that maybe Rivers version of like finding his dad dumb and finding his like adult dumb is just like taking him a little bit more time than it took Billy Joe. Like, Billy Joe found, like, a niche and, like, a thing to start becoming. Well, he did lose it, like, last year. Sure. But I just, I'm just not really sure maybe, like, what is Rivers' um, American Idiot? Like, he needs a thing to, like, latch onto to reinvigorate himself in a fresh way. I'm not sure if he's found that yet, but he's trying. But he's saying this is that thing. And in fact, like, the last song, yeah, he is. He's absolutely saying that. And, like... Return to Ithaca, he's making a big deal about it. It's a, it's a big sort of instrumental piece. And they're like shifting time keys and shifting all this and stuff. And it just basically turns into like a basement jam that we could have down here, Quinn. You know, it's nothing. There's, you know, he's saying our band wasn't capable of this. Like every band is capable of it. Because like, anybody who starts out and turns up your guitar does exactly that. Um, you know, is so you, you said you, you do like this album. I do. Yeah. Yeah. So are you. Are you this obviously not being that? Are you saying like maybe there's in the future, like this is a step towards that? I think I think that this is like almost like on target, and not that's not like the audience's target. Like the audience's target may be different than Rivers' target, but he doesn't give a fuck. Like he's going to do whatever he wants to do. He doesn't care if you're along for the ride or not because mm-hmm. he knows that people will. Except he totally fucking cares. He totally cares. He totally fucking cares. I think cares. he cares just because this album is trying to sound like the old album. But I think it's total. I, I think it's tongue in cheek. I don't think. I don't think it's literal. You think he's like, oh, like. I think he's like, fuck really? You. you guys want a fucking album that sounds like the blue album? Fine, here and just like jerks off and delivers it to us. That's what I think this is, which is why I don't really care. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna deny that it doesn't sound like he put much effort into it, but I don't know that it's because I, I not gonna deny it sounds like he jerked off. Yeah. <laughs> he probably did that metaphorically. Too, but, yeah, you know. but I mean, I think that's kind of a weird argument to say that that you really like the album and you think he's got that he's probably got something to say, some grand statement, but that this album also at the same time was just something he tossed off because he thinks people want to hear stuff that sounds like his first two albums. But maybe, but that's the statement. Well, okay. That's the statement? The, well, the like fact it, that he's like aware of what everybody says and he's aware of like how the criticism has been, but like, has he ever given a shit? If he cared about that, he wouldn't have made the last six albums the way he did. I, I guess I'm, but, I'm, I don't think self-awareness is a statement necessarily. It's just being self-aware. Like, most people are that from, like, when they're, like, two years old. Okay, not self-aware, literally, but, like, critically self-aware. Okay. And the fact that he doesn't need... He's in a place where he doesn't necessarily need to... He doesn't need to think twice about what people are going to say, but he does. And then chooses to dismiss it. I don't know. I think... I'm not saying he's being, like, good to his fans in this album. Mm Mm-hmm. But I just don't I, I, I don't know. I just don't give that much of a fuck. Like <laughs> it sounds there it's good pop songs. Yeah. Like it sounds good to me. It's easy it's accessible. It's like simple. And like I'm an English major. So like you wanna talk about like analyzing lyrics and like really searching sure. for like content, you know, in between the lines. I'm all about that. But for some reason I don't need that here. 
Like, and that is, I think, the basis of why I think I like a lot of stuff that I do that a lot of people don't is because I'm not looking for necessarily, right, like, right. meaning. I'm just looking for something that sounds good that I can, like, bite into and enjoy. So my commute isn't awful. And, like, <laughs> that's what I'm getting here. It isn't terrible. I like more than two songs on it. So I'm calling it a day and, like, A+. plus. But maybe my standards are just really low. No, I mean, I, I, look, Hello. nobody – I don't think anybody can ever question – taste like if there's something that if there's something that you like and it's and it's simple and it works we've all got songs like that that we put on and albums like that that we put on I mean, but I, I just I will listen to Boston's third stage after you leave oh so. <laughs> you know, he's probably listening to it right now in my head yeah <laughs> but uh, I think there's a I think there's a difference between saying you know this is something between saying like this is something that is fine when it's on and I like it and I can put it on on my commute and then trying to break down what they mean by the album and I guess I just don't see that level of um i guess ironic detachment yeah. um and and purpose in that detachment in this in this album right here mm-hmm. it feels more to me at least and this is a personal impression it feels more cynical than it feels calc- than it, it's cynical and calculated rather than statement calculated like sloppy not not even sloppy just like this this will play yeah. yeah like th- this will play like this, this is this is yeah. this is yeah. you know there's nothing I, like and Tori, I totally get what you're saying about that and stuff i mean with in in his case i mean you're talking about a guy who like essentially broke up the band because he's so self he's so aware of these and and worried about what critics think about this i my personal opinion is he's not capable of being like well i'm Fuck you! I'm just gonna do this, and you want that? Fine, I don't care. I think he cares a lot about his art. I think, for whatever reason, he can't connect to it anymore. And so that is for me, as a Weezer fan, that is it's it's hard to watch, at least for me. So this is like this is such a hard conversation because we're all so entrenched in the first two albums of them being so fucking good that like we can't like. At least I don't, like we all have like we all like those albums, right? We all really yeah, like yeah. those albums, Absolutely. right? And it's not just us; it's like every Weezer fan exactly. loves those mm-hmm. albums, and so therefore every Weezer fan is having this conversation where they're like, "It's an unfair conversation to Weezer in a lot of ways." It's like absolutely these guys did make great albums, and now they don't make great albums. But this is probably my favorite Weezer album since Pinkerton. Okay. Um, but is that I don't know if that's saying much, but um, <laughs> damning with it's just like I, I think that this there's this bit like it, it's come out of like the blogosphere and mm-hmm. this world of bullshit criticism where like um, this entire like that we're having this conversation because like mm-hmm. people have like so, these they're these greatly celebrated albums. And I kind of like lost my point in this, whatever the fuck I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. But my point is that just like I don't know what a, like a fair conversation about Weezer's new releases would look like mm. not like just because yeah. like well i mean we, we can break down let's, let's hear one more song because you like this one eulogy for a rock band let's let's do that
Yeah, the eulogy for a rock band. Um, titles. Self-referential, I guess. And then the... Uh, that, I think that's the closest it gets to the Pinkerton of old, though. Uh, Quinn, you were mentioning the back half of... Uh, of Pinkerton. Pinkerton. And uh, it made me think of something, a point I wanted to make. What... What made Pinkerton work... I mean, the Blue Album was obvious. But what made Pinkerton work was uh, these, like, massive hooks. And... God damn these hats. Right. That's right. literally what I was thinking. Right. Yes. And, and, like, the good life. Mm-hmm. Like, that whole thing. Like, yeah. it, it's just... Th- these are these massive hooks that had this... There was, there was a heart behind it. Instead of just a rock machine <laughs> behind it. Um, but one thing we were talking about in the break a little, uh, Tori, is that uh, historical context. So if mm-hmm. the Blue Album came out today, yeah, which is weird to say because there's a lot of a, a lot of bands that are around. Like I think emo mm-hmm. is pretty much credited to them um, that are around today because of that album. Like, how would it be received? Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think? I I think it would still be received really well, but like I wonder I just, I wonder if it has something to do with like the age of the listener and like what you can identify mm-hmm. with because like say it ain't so even if you like had never dealt with anything like that in your life you can like latch on to that Absolutely. like you you understand it in some way and that's why the songwriting on the blue album like was different than here like here there's nothing and it's because they're not young anymore it's because they don't have that Mm -hmm. same like turmoil so i think that i don't know i think if the blue album came out today it would it would still be well received but it would be like 14 15 year olds well those were universal themes Mm -hmm. i think i think i think you know sort of tying into the hooks thing is that like again you have to be talking about something that is this massive just massive, like, wall of guitars. If you listen to the... You won't get that song if you're 14. Mm. You just won't. Um, as you get older, then you'll be like, oh, I, mm. I get this. And um, and that's what's been missing since that album, mm. to be clear. I mean, but, it's just, but let's also remember but, like, how much of a product of its time the, the, uh, the Blue Album was. The reason it made such a big splash mm-hmm. was because... We were, in, we were in Latter-day Grunge period right there. Yeah. And yeah. it made it splash because of that Buddy Holly video. Mm-hmm. That's when people were like, whoa, who are these guys? And when you're watching MTV and you're watching 120 Minutes and everything that comes out is a bunch of guys in flannel shirts getting progressively more herka durka durka as it goes on <laughs> past, like, the, past the height of grunge. And then suddenly you've got these guys I'm wearing so their... I'm glad I had yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> and you got these guys like wearing their hearts on their sleeves being like unabashedly dorky yeah. while also singing you know, about some you know, personal stuff that, as you say, hits the, yeah. hits the sweet spot for teenagers right there. It's, it, was, it was pretty refreshing at the time. And I don't know that it would have the same hit right now because there's so much... There's so much noise and there's so much stuff that sounds kind of like it and you have so many different options. But then it was, you know, unless you were lucky enough to be in a city that had a vibrant music scene or you had someone sending you tapes from mm-hmm. a place like that, you had what was on the radio and yeah. you had MTV and that was it. Which is why I was saying that the, the Blue Album ends up like historically being almost like a novelty, like one big novelty. So song. has the Internet ruined Weezer? 
It's the internet's fault, guys. We no, it's Rivers' it fault. <laughs> <laughs> oh, something... Come on. Yeah, Stop talking about softball, <laughs> Something else worth talking about. We were talking about what if this album was released this year. Well, You Blew It actually released an album of cover songs from the Blue Album called You Blew It yeah, yeah, this yeah, year. Yeah. So, like, somebody did release the Blue Album this year. And how was it received? Uh, really well. Uh, one of my one of my friends, uh, Andy, called it. Uh, uh, you blew it. Just released the best Weezer album since Pinkerton. <laughs> Mic drop. It's like whoa. <laughs> I mean, I think, and that was, and that happened. Finish him. That was over the summer, like before all the hype about everything will be alright in the end yeah. really started. So at the time, I don't really think people knew a new Weezer album was coming. But it's been really well received. They they like sold out of all of their front. Like the first orders that they did, like people are on a wait list, and that, to get and that, that album. shows how how they've influenced people. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the, the, to be clear, I mean, this is a band that did influence people. Mm-hmm. Is why I am. Uh, I think you can listen to them in this you know, eighty four episodes. Of this like historically hard on this type of shit because, uh, it, it you know I I care about those albums mm-hmm. and. Uh, when an artist goes and just shits the bed, in my opinion, on you know <laughs> this, like mm-hmm. consistently, I'm just like, God damn it, dude, really? Like, I just want to give him a hug and be like, Hey, man, it's it'll be, be okay. all right. Yeah. It'll be all right yeah. in the end, yeah. yeah. But um, you know, there's a, we do have to talk about the fact that like this is so that is my expectation. That might be all our expectations as far as just like pop, loud pop songs. I'm not sure there's anything wrong with this. Maybe a little boring, maybe a little inconsequential, but that's pop. Mm-hmm. So is that is that the legacy of Weezer now? Is that they're just a pop band, and that's mm-hmm. why people are saying this? Yes. Yeah. Um, be- and I think the reason we are having such a like not contentious conversation, but the like impassioned conversation yeah. at points is because we all are rock fans, and we all want Weezer to be this great rock band, mm. and they were this great rock band, and yeah. now they're not, and we want that like. Because if, if 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 like Rivers Cuomo like was a pop star like a, he, he is, is a pop, a pop star, star yeah he is a pop star but if he was like I don't know like if he like had no ties to rock music and was making like just like flashy pop hits we wouldn't give a shit right like mm. it's it's based we we talk about this because well a we love his, we love his old music and b it's because it's like pop music still like somewhat under the guise of rock music mm. we it's not really it's not like rock music but it, i mean it is rock music but it's not it is very much no, it's, 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 it's trying to straddle both worlds of being like like rock in quotes and like pop mm. and it's like not it's not succeeding either yeah mm. and so like if you can make up i mean the guy the guy can turn a phrase sometimes and he can uh it can you know kick out a melody most of the time i mean there's nothing like musically i mean maybe boring but nothing offensive on this you know, even just listening to us making like some shit before you guys came over and just had it blast. And I was like, yeah, mm. that's. Yeah. And even when his shit was offensive, people loved it anyway. Yes. No one else is like one of the most. I want a girl who will laugh for no one else. It's fucking horrible. Make, but like, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It's, shit. It's so catchy. <laughs> See, now we're just descending into like. We well, used to love Weezer so yeah. Much. yeah, I think part of this fifty percent of this conversation is just resting in like a performer versus it's like performer versus audience. I think that's kind of what we keep coming back to is like rivers versus the world. Yeah. So, 
the live is action that, movie. <laughs> 20, early 2016. I would, I would totally, I would watch, totally that. watch that. <laughs> the Lego Edgar movie. Directing it, huh? As long as Edgar Wright's directing yeah, it. Exactly. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know if this is a conversation that we would be having with too many other no. bands. Maybe like Which Death Cab for Cutie. Also, like Death Cab for Cutie, similar thing. Like Ben Gibbard is very much like a personality and, you know, not like outspoken really in any way, but a band that people really care about. Mm -hmm. And people will also say that like, oh yeah, like the first two albums, first three albums were great, like photo album, transatlanticism. I won't say that. Whoa! (laughs) And then... This is the most... That band has been mentioned on this podcast. The the olds aren't going to give you any support on this one. Oh God, I loved Death Cab. Like Death Cab was, for me... I think this is like totally irrelevant to this conversation, but the parallels are that like Death Cab was doing kind of something similar to Weezer, and their trajectory mm-hmm. has been similar as well. And yeah, so a lot absolutely. of then yeah. so the past couple albums that they've released has been like like really like critically shat on and like yeah really not great. But you're still gonna buy it if you're a Death Cab fan. Right. Like you're still gonna listen to it just to have an opinion on it. Yeah. And in the end, like, does that matter to the performer? Like, people are still buying the records. It shouldn't. I mean, I feel like Cuomo, like, just baited me by just being out there saying, I care about this. I'm like, okay, fine, dude. Let's <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's what he, but maybe that's, like, the point. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I think pretty much at the end yeah. of it, like, there's nothing like, uh, let's go around Circle Paul, what are you going to do? Pass. Yeah. I'm buying it. Already did. All right. Uh, I'm on the stream because if you like, uh, if you like a band, if you liked a band so much, like I did with Weezer, you should at least give their new output one shot. Mm-hmm. Stream it once, at least. I will listen to it before I listen to the new Foxygen, <laughs> but I'm going to pass. Low bar. Yeah. Low, Low bar. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, there we go. It's Weezer. Um, that's our podcast for the week. Thank you guys for stopping by. Tori, I hope we didn't scare you off, so come back soon. Of course. I would uh, love to. Got, got a little sketchy. It was like, ah, but... I think, I think we're okay. You know what? I'm kind of kind of used to it. Right. Part of me thinks I just come up with unpopular opinions just so just to bait people. We like unpopular opinions because you will do well on the yeah. internet. <laughs> <laughs> According to me and Paul, each of our opinions are both unpopular. So. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, uh, that is. Uh, see, we get. I talked to Coward's Choir this week. I talked to Lewis Weeks. I can't wait to put that out. Uh, uh, do you guys know that guy? Yeah, it's, it's really cool. Fucking dude, is it? His last album was awesome. His last album's awesome. He's done with the new album. And uh, the dude is fucking smart. Like, like intimidatingly smart. Mm. And you're just like, what? I don't... And then we... <laughs> it worked out. <laughs> but, you know, he starts going off on these tangents about his music. And stuff. So, for example, his a spoiler for the uh, podcast. He does uh, jingles for, essentially, like, uh, for a company that makes a... Like mass production music, like for commercials and stuff. Like his application for that, he basically was just like, "Hey guys, I wrote an opera." Like <laughs> that kind of shit. So it was a fascinating conversation. Yeah. That's going to be in a few weeks. Uh, Coward's Choir taught to uh, Magnificent Intentions Festival coming up, which is a culmination. Not the because uh, you guys are pretty entrenched in the house scene. House scene show. You're having house shows, Quinn. Um, this is the other side of the river's version of that. So, uh, yeah, so be a good couple of weeks. But uh, Clyde is saying shut the fuck up, so we will. Uh, what, what should the off my lawn be, Paul? I don't know, you always ask me this. I don't know what you're talking about. To- <laughs> <laughs> Choose your lawn carefully? Sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. We'll talk to you later. <laughs>